Welcome to episode 125 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined again this week by Ryan Topp and Paul Noonan. Guys, we're doing this on Super Bowl Sunday. It's sunny out. How are you? How are you all doing? Yeah, we were just having a conversation about whether or not the uh, the rodent seeing its shadow meant good, bad. Like, so apparently, sun is bad. That's the lesson from that you guys are telling me. Sun is bad. It means yeah. we're going to have more winter. That's a terrible lesson. Like, uh, Groundhog Day is dumb. Even like, the, I want the internal logic to be good on it. So, if, if it's going to be stupid, then it should be good to have sun on this day, not bad to have sun on this day. Uh, it's the all process. Process is definitely flawed. Yes, for sure. Um, this is all bad. Um, but if like, I want that at least if I'm going to actually pay attention to this stupid thing. So, um, right. And yes, I like my superstitions to have consistent you know, internal logic. consistent logic with the superstitions for sure. Right. And, you know, go figure it's been cloudy for about two weeks straight. The first day we actually get sun, the stupid gets uh, yes. his shadow and, and it doesn't on. matter at all. So. I should say it's Sun Prairie Jimmy, the, the Wisconsin icon that saw his shadow, Puxatani Phil said early spring. So, you know, conflicting <laughs> models here. Well, uh, I mean, different, we'll parts of the, different parts of the country have different climates. Yeah. See, this is consistent. So the, the groundhogs should say different things in different parts of the country. That's fine. Um, that, that, that's totally consistent, and I'm on board with that. So good job, groundhogs, on that front. Good job, groundhogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is a baseball podcast, not a groundhog podcast. <laughs> As always, you can help people find Milwaukee's Tailgate by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to send us a question to talk about, you can do that a few different ways. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at MKE Tailgate and send us a question there. You can also follow all of us individually. Ryan is at RD Top, Paul is at Badger Noonan, and I'm at James L. You can also email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our MKE Tailgate Facebook page and send us a message there. You can also help support our podcast network at patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. Ball and Glove and Above patrons get the monthly minor league extra podcast with Ryan and Brad Ford and Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods throughout the Packers offseason. We're sponsored again by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English style malt bombs and perfectly balanced top grenades. You know they're great beers, including Dragon Flute, Black Party, and the flagship Fantasy Factory. You can try all of them and celebrate flagship February at their taproom on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's east side. They also have a lot of cool merch on their website. You can get 20% off all of that just by using the promo code MKETailgate at Carbon4.com. Carbon4, beer brilliance. Well, guys, last week we talked about the possibility of some bad news with the Brewers. Uh, turned out to be just about as bad or maybe even worse as we were fearing. Luis Urias is going to miss about six to eight weeks with a broken hamate bone in his wrist after getting that checked out after playing winter ball. Kind of puts him behind the eight ball in terms of spring training and getting ready for the season. So it kind of brings us to our first Patreon question from Grant. Um, he's asking how concerning or impactful do you think Urias's injury will be for his season long outlook, Ryan? Yeah, it's not great. Hamate bones are sort of, uh, notoriously bad for sapping power for a while. Even after a guy's able to come back and be on the field, uh, guys often will have lingering effects and it limits the amount that they can like really impact the baseball. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule. It was pointed out to me when I brought this up on Twitter this week that, Matt Olson came back last year, and I, I should have known this because I had him on my team, uh, that <laughs> he came back and was good hitting for power right away. But this is definitely not a good thing, and you, you never want to see it. 
Uh, you do wonder if it might cause him to change his approach somewhat, or we'll see exactly like how this impacts what he does. Because last year he was starting to elevate a little bit more. He was trying to hit for more power because originally he was much more of a, there were times a few years ago when there were scouts who were legitimately talking about him having potential future 80 hit tool. And last year it looked like he was trying to trade some of that hit for power, which is not a bad trade. It's a little bit young maybe for him to, to start trying to do that, but it's not like a, a terrible idea, but we'll see what his approach is with the Brewers this year, what they want him to do and how they want him to go forward. And you do wonder maybe if San Diego backed off of him a little bit because they didn't see what they wanted to see with that transformation. So maybe that's why they ended up trading him. You never know in, in these situations, but yeah, I mean, there's not a way to spin this to be good. Uh, your optimistic view is he might come back faster than normal, but you know, most people come back normal from injuries and, it, it's bad in the sense that it probably will sap his power. Um, it, it, the one good, th- it's not good, but the one good thing about it is um, l- l- assuming that we, our numbers on LCD's Escobar are correct and assuming that, um, that, that he's actually not that good at defense, um, even if Urias comes back and the power takes a while to come back, he can still be an upgrade at that position. Um, so uh, he's out six to eight weeks the power will probably linger. His ceiling is probably ca- not capped a little bit, but if, if he has the normal recovery, he's not going to be as good as he necessarily could be. But he'll come back during the season, and he can still be a useful part of the team. So there's that, which is better than nothing, um, but uh, certainly unfortunate. It's not a good way to kick off the season here with one of the guys you're expecting to break out. That's a rough probably, Freudian slip, Paul. What I say? You oh, said, you yeah. said all cities Escobar. For oh, Orlando, Ar- <laughs> for Orlando Arcia. That, that is definitely it. Uh, I'm a Freudian slip. So I did mean Orlando Arcia, obviously, but he, he, he got, he, he's kind of turned into that. So I want to half a dozen of the other. Right? I stand by my Freudian slip. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to be brutal about it, Escobar was a very good defender for a long time. He was. That's true. <laughs> yeah, Arcia, we're, we're, so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the it's point is, sad. yeah, the point is like, you know, it, it's, it's, Unfortunate. You definitely don't want to see that, especially from probably the player I think a lot of people were most excited to see yeah. uh, or most excited to to add this offseason. And now you have this setback right out of the gate, kind of tempers expectations a little bit. But kind of the point you guys were making was the, the point to upgrade shortstop. That's not a real high bar to clear. So, you know, even if he's lacking his power, if he can still get his hit tool going, they probably don't need him to hit you know, 10 or 15 home runs, he could still be valuable even if it takes a while for that power to come back. But obviously still not what we want to see right away. Yeah. And he's going to get off to a late start. Like there's no real way around that. He's probably yeah, that's true too. He's probably going to have to go play some in the, uh, in spring training, uh, like extended spring training and then potentially go, we'll, we'll see if he's getting better towards the end of that time frame. Maybe he can get into some games, some actual spring training games, but he may have to go on a minor league rehab assignment. Like we may not see him really until May. So you could, I don't know if it'd be that long. And, you know, I, I think that the upside is that it's not like he's a pitcher where he needs to build up his arm or anything. You know, they always say hitters maybe take one or two weeks to get yeah. ready. You know, at least that was always Ryan Braun's excuse when he didn't want to play spring training games. Right. <laughs> uh, I forgot his passport. <laughs> yeah. He forgot his passport. So, you know, maybe hopefully, 
uh, if, if Arias does get in, you know, second half of spring training or whatever, a couple of weeks, he might be good to go. But yeah, we, we might be looking at another minor league, minor league rehab assignment to start the year. Um, if, if things don't kind of progress the way they want. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a leg injury, so he can like continue to run and work out and like stay in shape. It's not one of those weird situations where like the guy kind of has time to like, you know, deteriorate and needs to like get himself athletically back up. He can run and do all that stuff. It's just a matter of, he can't do anything with that arm. So. Right. And, in happier news, or I guess better Brewers news David Stern still continuing to add to the team, even though we're getting a couple of weeks away from spring training now. Uh, you know, we talked about him kind of addressing a lot of areas, but maybe not um, adding to the bullpen. We, we've kind of talked in previous weeks about whether the bullpen is an area of possible improvement. Uh, so he went out and he did that. He signed a veteran reliever David Phelps to a one-year deal with a 2021 option because, of course, of course. every – single deal he signed this winter <laughs> had a twenty twenty one option. It's the fine print uh, on every brewer's contract. It's like oh yeah by the way conditions. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do you agree to one more season on our terms? Click exactly. Yes. Um so you know kind of a cheap signing a little over one million dollars this year with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar buyout for next year. If they do keep them around uh the the salary will go up, but he can earn an up to almost two hundred million in incentives this year. Um, you know, Phelps is a guy who was good a long time, you know, long time, uh, you know, he started with the Yankees kind of evolved into a really good reliever with the Marlins. They shipped him off to Seattle. Uh, but Tommy John surgery kind of got in the way he lost a year, came back last year, ended up with the Cubs. So, um, kind of working his way back from injury, but this is year two after a Tommy John. So there's some hope that this ends up being a little bit better, um, Paul, what do you make of the signing? Um, it, good, t- t- prototypical Brewer signing of uh, a, a guy that, uh, you know, right after another year of off Tommy John recovery, um, he's at least somewhat likely to bounce back to maybe not normal, but better. Um, he is, so he's he's been a good reliever um, for a long time against both sides. Um, his, his split was very heavy last year, very small sample size. He's always had a little bit of a platoon split, um, which is fine. Everybody does. Um, it was kind of extreme last year, um, but he, first of all, he's righty, so whatever, that's fine. And second of all, um, I suspect that that might come down a little bit when he starts to get his kind of normal stuff back to back to how it was before. Um, so I, I like it. Like that's a that is a a good high upside cheap um, signing. Bullpens are he David Phelps is the reason that bullpens vary a lot from year to year you know, because um, his his range of possible outcomes this year is. You know, aging guy who was hurt and maybe falls apart versus aging guy who maybe will recover from a surgery lots of people can now recover from and kind of get his really good stuff back. Um, he's, a, he's a nice piece to have, and they didn't give up a lot to get him. So um, I, I, that's a good one. It's a good signing. Yeah, digging deeper into the pitches that he throws, uh, there's some interesting stuff here. First off, last year, his fastball velocity was down to 927 Yep. Uh, from a peak in 2017, right before he got hurt, of 94.3. Before that, it was actually more 93.5. And then if you go back to his days with the Yankees, it was like 89, 90. Like, he actually improved his velocity as he got older there, which is not something you see so much and maybe has something to do with the the Tommy John that he changed his mechanics to unleash more, and that didn't agree with him. So we'll have to see how that works. But it is interesting that... 
uh, in 2016, he was throwing his fastball 64% of the time. By 2017, that was down to 52%. And then last year when he came back, it was down to 42%. I think he was throwing a cutter a lot last year, if memory serves. I... Yeah, so his cutter... <laughs> Should have looked that up? <laughs> yeah, I, I, have it, I have it right in front of me. Yeah, he was throwing his cutter 28% both in 17 and 2019. Okay. Um, what did go up, though, is if you look at 2016, and this is the basically what he's exchanged out. Uh, he was throwing his curveball 11% of the time in 16. That was up to 19.3% of the time in 2017 and was up all the way to almost 28% last uh, year. So he is throwing his, something. Yep. Yeah. He is throwing his curveball a lot more. And you would not be surprised with that considering, you know, the Cubs were one of the teams that had him. And so it's, it's not surprising that like a smart team gets a hold of him and all of a sudden they're telling him, hey, throw that good curveball more. Yep. But, you know, we'll see. He is an interesting one. And like you said, this is a reliever. He is a depth option, really. I mean, they did give him a major league contract, so they, that does kind of lock him into a spot. But uh, he is an interesting guy, and we'll see. He's He has been capable of throwing a lot of innings in the past. I don't know how he will do now with that, but it definitely seems like a profile. You know, the Brewers can throw him out there for, you know, two innings at a time and then give him a few days off and then bring him back again. And I think that might be how they want to handle it. So. I would think so. Yeah. I think, you know, what this signing does is kind of allays at least the fears I had about Corey Knable not being available right away in the season too. So this way you get a veteran arm who's been somewhat reliable as a kind of a bridge to Josh Hader. Um, even if Corey Knable comes back and he's a little rocky or not, the all-star closer from years past, you know, you at least have somebody else who has kind of proven success at the big league level. Um, it is a depth one, but it's also somebody who's, who's pitched at a high level before it sort of goes back to kind of the Pedro stroke discussion on, you know, somebody who's been consistently good. It's, it's really hard to find that with relievers. Right. So um, I think, I think this is kind of a low risk signing with a potential really solid reward. Um, you know, it's hard to argue too much, especially for the price they got him at. Um, with that said, uh, Ryan, do you think the bullpen is kind of set now? Do you think they could still add somebody or how do you feel about the bullpen mix overall? Well, I mean, you've got hater Claudio, Suter, Phelps, and then beyond that, I think Taylor Williams now has an extra option. Was he one of the guys? He does. He, he does. Yep. He does. So he can be optioned up and down. So he'll be on the the shuttle, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I think they still potentially have room to be able to add here because they're only locked into those guys that I said as definite people that like have to be on the roster. So they could potentially add another one. The problem is, is that I do think that, and we still haven't heard, this is getting really annoying, but we still haven't heard, <laughs> like, is it 13? Like, our team's locked into 13 pitchers. Do they have to limit it to that and then 13 position players because the, the rosters are expanding? We still don't know. I mean, they probably, it, it sounds like Stearns and Council are assuming and they are acting like that is what the, the limitation yep. is going to be, but we still don't know, and so it's kind of annoying, but... I think they could if the right thing came along, but I don't know what that thing would be at this point. Do you like, I, I sort of can't imagine what it would be. So I, I know that relievers are notoriously, cause I, I certainly wasn't thinking of David Phelps before they signed him. So <laughs> who knows? But I, 
they I think they still could add. I just don't know if they necessarily will. So I think they could go into camp with this group and say, yeah, we're we're set for opening the season. And they could always do something in camp as well, you know, pick somebody up yeah. off of waivers or uh, sign a last minute free agent, something like that. So they're probably mostly set. I think in answer to that specific question of is the bullpen set, my answer is always going to be no just because of how the Brewers operate. Like, the, their, their bullpen's never set. They cycle people in and out all the time. If somebody were to become available that was interesting, they would they would make a switch or in a minute or just grab him and stick him in spring training for competition. But I think this is probably mostly what you're going to get. Uh, you know, with the starters versus relievers has to shake itself out a bit. But all, all your people who will compete for bullpen spots, I think, are now are the, there mostly. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, well, the way the Phelps signing turned out, it actually kind of ended up being a trade of some sorts with the Cubs uh, when <laughs> Jeremy Jeffress signed a major league deal with the Cubs. So he'll yeah. be going to Chicago. Brewers get David Phelps. Um, this is actually the second Brewer the Cubs have signed yep. this offseason. They added Ernan Perez on a minor league deal. Um, I guess, Paul, how wrong is it going to be to see? <laughs> look, <laughs> how wrong is it going to look to see Jeremy Jeffress in a Cubs uniform? uh pretty wrong like uh so i I like jeremy jeffress i think he's a a good guy he got kind of a raw deal early in his career and you know he went through two stints with the brewers so it and and he was part of the big kansas city milwaukee like switcheroo with lots of other guys like mustakas and uh and lorenzo kane um so i he seems like it's wrong to be in any other uniform kind of but um I don't know. It's so weird that the the Cubs have like signed nobody, but the two people they've signed are like, um, you know, some 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 nice bullpen depth and also Jeremy Jeffress. Um, so um, like, <laughs> it's good if Hernan makes the team. That will almost be weirder. Um, but it, it, it's fi- it, the Cubs need bullpen help. Uh, and not I don't like a ton. Um, I, I'm a little worried about Jeffress's. Um, like he's gone for a reason. Um, he was dynamite two years ago. I feel like his stuff started to decline a little bit. People started to make hard contact off of him. Kind of a prototypical Cub signing in that way. Um, he, he, he might be on the downswing a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I don't like him being somewhere where I have, to, I have to see him pitch for another team all the time. Like, I have good memories of Jeremy Jeffress, and this will make them bad. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I uh, want him to pitch well, but I don't want any Cubs there. to pitch well, right? Yes, that's, the... that's the thing. I wanted him to rebound, but now I don't. Um <laughs> And I don't like rooting against people to succeed. So um, I wish he would have gone somewhere, almost anywhere else, uh, except the Cardinals. But, uh, I mean, I, I hope he's okay. Um, but, yeah, I also hope he fails miserably and we hit 10 home runs off in the game. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think Ryan's point was he. we want to see Jeffers do well, but maybe hand it off to Kimbrel and Kimbrel close it or something. I'm on board yeah. with that. That's <laughs> yeah. very specific rooting at that point. Like. Yeah, there are lots of people in that bullpen. You've got Wick, you've got Ryan, you've got Underwood. There's lots of guys who can blow. Or you've got Kimbrel, as Kimbrel. you just mentioned. Yeah, like, we've, there's lots of guys capable of blowing leads there. And I think that that's, that's what we got to hope for. Because I think the Cubs are still a pretty good team. So Yep, they are. Yeah, I mean, they, they still have some good starting pitching. Yeah. I mean, and looking at this, position looking, players. Mo- yeah, looking more objectively at that signing, like, you can say a lot about the Jeffress signing that we said about Phelps uh, without the, the injury part of it. Like Jeffress has had a lot of success in the bullpen fairly recently, struggled last year. He's a decent rebound candidate and they need to revamp their bullpen. So he's a good, like, you know, high upside, low cost signing that might help them reach that. Um, 
looking at it from a non-brewer perspective. Hopefully not, but... <laughs> Did you guys see the thing that went viral, I guess, in the last week? Um, it was it was a lady's obituary, and the last line was she was donating uh, money to the impoverished Ricketts family so they could assemble something resembling a major league bullpen. <laughs> yeah, it was in lieu of flowers, right? Please send money to the impoverished Ricketts. Oh, yeah. In yeah. lieu of flowers, send donations to the impoverished Ricketts family so nice. they can build a bullpen. It was fantastic. Um, but, you know, I think there is actually a chance for, for Jeffress to rebound with the Cubs. I think yep. you look at what happened with him last year, whether it was the change in the ball or, um, you know, kind of his slow start to the year. He just stops throwing that split change up that brought him so much success uh, the year before. And it was really just kind of weird. And without that, without at least getting people to chase it out of the zone, yep. he was left to kind of throw fastballs in the zone. And that's where he got so i don't know maybe if there's something they can do to to figure that out get him to yeah. throw that pitch again or whatever there's there's a chance for a rebound there i you he's know. always been a higher contact reliever and uh, right. if, if the ball is fixed that will go a long way towards fixing him wrigley's probably a good place for him to pitch too um it, that's a you get Miller the wind park. In. Yeah. Wind blowing in. Like Miller, it's not really a hitter's park. Uh, it, when the wind's blowing out, it's the most hitter's park but that is very rare actually so and it seems um, to have become rarer doesn't it uh, I do feel like you hear about it less frequently. Uh, maybe it's just because I see a lot of Cubs games. They're kind of the team I watch after I watch the Brewers. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the wind blowing out is like a like four weekend a day or a season occurrence now. So, um, and we should point out like should... Jeffers had a, a FIP more than a run under his ERA last year, so he was yeah, okay. considerably right. better. Yeah. Then like his FIP wasn't great, but it was I think it was but, high threes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, three ninety six. He wasn't. He wasn't terrible. It just, but kind of to Paul's point, that that stuff will happen when you're such a high contact reliever to begin with. Like, yep. stuff happens. You know, it's it's hard to to you know guess what those results are going to be. But I think you know if they can fix him, um, it, it, you know maybe he becomes Pedro Strope and a decent middle relief yeah. guy. You know, but yeah, I mean his fastball velocity last year was down almost. Uh, it was a run or a mile an hour and a half. So. It was it it was definitely like suffering some change to his stuff. Um, it wasn't just the ball, um, right for sure. But but yeah, it's I think a good little smart signing. Cubs showing they at least understand how their park works and how regression works, even if they are completely unwilling to spend money for no good reason. Well, speaking of spending money for no good reason, the Cincinnati Reds. It's <laughs> a hell of a transition, James. That is so a how do you hell. like that segue? It's time for our weekly segment. Are the Cincinnati you know, Reds good? Uh, after they officially signed Nick Castellanos and Pedro Strope, addressing the bullpen a little bit, which was one of you know my concerns, but also adding another bat to a lineup that weirdly underperformed last year you can so, never have too many third basemen who play other positions so. exactly uh so i guess paul are the reds good yet yes they are my i think they've been good for a while they're they were about as good as the brewers and they added a yeah i think good bullpen piece so you never know with relievers and a good a good bat um who doesn't really fit into their you know defensive alignment as all red signings don't um but it, it it probably adds enough to push them projection wise over Milwaukee and right up into they're already in contention. So I think that they still are in contention and have improved their odds a bit. So I don't care about three years from now. So for this year, they're good. They have they have undoubtedly gotten better for this year. I mean, they are as good on paper at this point as the Brewers, if not a little bit better. So we'll see. Fangraph still needs to do their adjustments. 
But one thing, like, we should point out, though, Fangraphs has him projected at 1.1 war in left field for next year. It, like, he is not projected to be a, a massively good player, and a lot of that is because he gives back a lot of value on defense. Yeah. So, right. like, there is a big part of that, that he's just kind of a weird fit. And, you know, Strope is, is fine. We were talking about how we wanted him, and it would have been a, a good addition to the Brewers as well. But he was also a guy coming off of a down year last year, so you, you have to see, like, what the Reds can get out of him. But they're definitely good or better for now, but I still don't think that they're necessarily, like, they're, they're certainly not a runaway favorite to win the Central. I think oh, that certainly not. There's a lot of people that the Cardinals right now. I think that's the question. I, I was saying, you know, like the Reds, Brewers, Cubs, all figure, I think are in that 85 win range was kind of my guess. The Cubs or the Cardinals, sorry, might be a game or two ahead of that. Yeah. Are the Reds like verging towards the top of the division? Do you guys think? I don't think so. I, I to, For me to put anybody over the Cardinals, I think somebody would need to add a, a pretty significant impact player. Um, and that hasn't happened. Like I think the Reds have added a lot of good players that have pushed them up marginally, you know, like a half win at a time or something less than that. And, and the Cubs have added, you know, nothing. And so they're the Cubs. Um, and Brewers kind of the same thing. They gave away some, got some back. But to get to actually catch the Cardinals, you'd have to add like one more above average, you know, two war, three war guy. And then, then you're in the conversation, but nobody's done that yet. They're I mean, still... are we really sure that the Cardinals are good guys? Hold on. Let me, let me go through their We're never depth. Sure. We're never sure, but they're not... all, they, they are good because they're the Cardinals and they I mean, always win. Sure. But I mean, like their starting outfield is Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dexter Fowler. That lineup is probably going to be rough. You know, we kind of saw it at the end of last year and we did. kind of in the playoffs too. Like that lineup is not scary at all. And I think that this kind of, kind of goes into the equation too. I forget who said it. Maybe it was Keith Law and his analysis of the Castellano signing, but like the, the Cardinals offensively, not scary. You know, even Goldschmidt hasn't been really good since what, 2015 or 2016. I would have to look up the numbers, but he's, he's been merely, merely very good to yeah. good. They don't really have an impact bat in that lineup. The pitching is really what carried them last year, but how much do you believe in that? You know, Jack Flaherty looks legit, but beyond that, um, is there anybody else that really scares you too? I think that, you know, they kind of factor into that whole, every team in the central is kind of deeply fall, flawed yeah. and it's yeah. totally up in the air. <laughs> so I think the Reds kind of, to Paul's point, saw the opportunity this year, kind of said, screw it. We'll figure out three years from now and three years from now, <laughs> if there's even a league three years yeah. from now, we'll see. Planning for the <laughs> Very forward thinking. <laughs> And, and you know, take, kind of take that leap. So I can't fault the, the Reds for kind of taking their shot. And, you know, especially in that ballpark, screw it, line them up, hit dingers, and hope the pitching doesn't yeah, how much, you know How much defense defensive value can you give back playing in Cincinnati's left field? Like, can't be, can't be too much. It's like... Well, you do play half your games on the road, too. But... Well, I know. So half of what right. you normally could. Um, but I guess, but... you know, you're playing a lot of your games in Miller Park and Wrigley not big yeah, left right. fields either so exactly but pittsburgh and st louis like it is legit but i don't know it's they definitely the cardinals definitely have a good pitching staff like that is that is 100 percent true but i'm just not sure exactly how good that lineup like they're gonna have trouble scoring runs and i don't think like with the reds it's 
it is a weird fit and they probably will hit dingers but how much will that really impact what they're doing i mean they they kind of they hit dingers last year their big problem was they weren't getting on base outside of like yep. joey vada right and they already have Eugenio Suarez is going to miss the start of the season. We don't know exactly how long that's going to linger. We'll see. I, they've definitely taken their shot here. Well, the last two years they've taken their shot. Remember, they were a hot pick. Everybody thought, oh, they've made themselves relevant after all the stuff they did last year. And that turned out to be a big fat nothing, though. That that Puig trade ended up really that bad. That did not work. That is very true. I mean, it seemed bad at the time, too. And I think Keith Law made that point, too. But it just with the with the year... <laughs> perspective it now looks really bad to the point where they've got no prospects and they're kind of pushing all the chips in, into the middle of the table here well and let's be fair here when the dodgers come at you and say hey these prospects that are a little bit further down in your system we'll take those guys instead of top guys to make a trade don't do right. it don't do not <laughs> <laughs> like no <laughs> this is this is a bad deal they see something in those guys and yeah they traded jeter downs and uh josiah gray and both have legitimately broken out into top 100 prospects, perhaps top 50 prospects, depending on who you whose rankings you look at. Like, do not do not do Don't those deals with the Dodgers. Prospects to the Dodgers is yep. the lesson. Yeah. yeah, there is also some reason to think they weren't quite as bad last year as the the record. Um, their Pythagorean wasn't that far from the Brewers. I think it was like right. a six run difference from the Brewers. So um, they may also see some of that and be like weren't as bad as we actually were last year so we can build off of what we should have won and you know account for an extra four or five wins there just right from regression they ended up just slightly under uh uh 500 in terms of pythag like i think they, they were yeah and they won 75 games and i think pythag had them at 80 so yeah, yeah they, were definitely, they were definitely under whereas the brewers were obviously considerably well over, better as per usual right. but that's yeah and if we're going to say that the Brewers doing that was a sign of some sort of skill on the part of the front office and yeah. on council's part, it has make to the come case. from somewhere. This is zero sum. Exactly. Yep. Maybe it evens out this year. And, and, you know, maybe the Reds are kind of looking ahead to next year somewhat. Uh, we've got a Patreon question from Jay. He's asking what your thoughts are on the NL possibly going to the DH next year. Obviously, it would help the Reds solve some of those uh, positional problems, but how would it help and affect the Brewers as well, uh, Ryan? So David Stearns came out this week and said that he prefers NL baseball without the DH, that it's just like an aesthetic thing for him. But I also think that that's like the popular thing to say in an NL city is people don't like people in, in NL cities generally have a pretty visceral reaction to the DH shouldn't be there and, you know, whatever. Like there's like a, a point of pride with that. It's an I, appeal to tradition. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's an appeal to tradition in a conservative yep. sport. And I think that they would have been so well served. Think about from the 2017 to 2019 teams, how well served they would have been having that DH spot to be able to rotate guys like Ryan Braun, Eric Thames, uh, even Domingo Santana earlier on. They would have had the ability to rotate guys through that dh spot get an extra well above average bat in the lineup on a daily basis and it would have really really it, they would have benefited from it greatly even by comparison to other teams because they weren't going to go out and spend a bunch of extra money on a dh spot they didn't need to they had all these guys on their team anyway they would have just been able to employ an extra above average bat on a daily basis in a way without it really costing them anything and i think david stearns with the dh would set that up again right now it's a little weird they have more of a positional flexibility thing going 
But if he knew that that was the case and he, he sees that that's coming, he will definitely go out and add the players that he needs to be able to run a DH rotation that will be a, a big advantage to their club. So I think it would be good tactically for them for it to happen so, because they'll take advantage of it. I'm I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I would love to see their internal numbers on what they think their teams would have done with DHs in the past and, and, and what they like kind of project going forward. Here's why. like, So whatever you think about like the aesthetics of having pitchers hit, it does bring more managing into the game than you otherwise would have. Like you have to make more bullpen decisions, more platoon decisions, and you have to like make more use of the roster that you have. Um, so if, if, if the whole NL has DH, like everybody knows that having an Eric Thames on your team is a good thing. If you don't have it, then you have to be creative about having Eric Thames on your team, like playing him in the outfield sometimes and getting him in there, um, you know, in key platoon spots and actually justifying the cost of having guys like that there. And the Brewers have had a lot of guys you think of as AL players on their team, like Jesus Aguiar when he was playing first base a lot. You know, he's not a great defensive player, even at first base. They, they kind of go for those, like, big dudes that aren't necessarily your prototypical NL players. And I kind of think they derived an advantage from sort of injecting more strategy and managing into the game because they're good at that. They're good at um, making big use of their bullpen, uh, which you do more in the NL when you have to shift guys in and out more frequently. Um, I, I think since it sort of takes some, uh, I, I know this is like also an aesthetic appeal, like the NL has more strategy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, uh, that's overblown, but... I think for the Brewers, just tactically and like from a value p position, I kind of think it's true with Council. Um, you want to have a better manager in the NL with the AL. You can just let your big giant guys just rake all the time. You don't have to go to the bolt or the bench that much. So um, I kind of think it'll hurt them. Um, it, it'll t take away a little bit of an advantage. Uh, it'll help dumb managers with better teams like keep up with them. Okay, so from that perspective, it helps raise the bar for dumb men. Okay, I can see that because I wasn't like, concerned. Like, council is still kind of levels rough. the playing field in in a different way that I hadn't really considered. That's a really <laughs> good point that you kind of lose whatever you know if you perceive Craig Council to be an asset, which I think all three of us kind of do. Like, if if you kind of level that playing field, that kind of mitigates some of right. what he can do. Like, think think about your average dumb manager from a, a team that we play against a lot, and. Think about all the times that they wouldn't have had to go to like a garbage reliever if they had a DH on the team uh, that we ended up capitalizing on. Like, I, I just kind of see that as, um, and, and like, I don't really care if there's a DH or not. Like, I, I, it's going to come. Uh, everybody wants it, so it's inevitable. But I do think that, like, like a lot of things, the Brewers kind of abuse the current rule to their advantage. So I'm, I'm always for the things that they deal with. 40-man roster, sad it's gone. And I'll be sad when the DH is here for the same reason. Yeah, I could see it. For sure. All right. Well, another Patreon question. Um, as we record this, we're now about 10 days from pitchers and catchers re reporting to spring training already. Kind of hard to believe, but we're into February. It's right around the corner. Uh, big league inv invites were announced uh, in the last few days. Um, not a whole lot of exciting names. One of the few there was Ethan Small. We kind of talked him up last yep. week. Um, last year's first round pick is going to get a taste of big league camp this year. We'll see how many big league innings he actually throws. Um, but Steve Romanesco asked on Patreon, uh, with those slew of big camp, 
big league camp invites. Um, is it? He's wondering, is it good to get some experience with the major league team? Is it good for them to work on skills? Or is it just kind of like, uh, hey, here are the guys we think are our top prospects? I guess his bottom line is, what does it mean for these guys to get an invite to big league camp? Ryan? I mean, for them, it's a very big deal because that is what they want. They want to get to the big leagues and make that big money and be at the highest level. Uh, for the team, especially early on, and why you see this happen is uh, teams just need bodies early on in camp because uh, pitchers do not throw more than like an inning that first time through, and then it's an inning or two, and they slowly build up their time. So they need more pitchers, and that's why if you look at the list of ten guys who are invited, um, it's seven pitchers and three position players. <laughs> Indeed. And you also have two catchers on there, Feliciano and Peyton Henry. So guys who are going to take some time behind the plate because even early in camp, the position players don't, they only play two, three innings. They get like their second at bat and then, you know, they've got a, a tee time for the seventh inning. So like that's the main purpose of it though. You know, it will be interesting to see some of the guys like obviously you're excited to see, you know, hopefully Ethan Small on TV and see exactly what that looks like against, you know, not necessarily big league hitters, but against higher level hitters. It will be exciting to see that. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, just a list of guys who are close. And it is interesting that they're giving Ethan Small that uh, level of belief that he's listed with guys who are considerably mostly higher up in the system than yeah. he is. So, yeah, it tells you something of what they think of him. <laughs> kind of, you know, reinforces the point that he they kind of expect him to be a fast riser this year, right? So, you know, get him a chance to face some higher competition, kind of maybe show, you know, other scouts what's going on. And, you yeah. know, maybe maybe it's a chance to kind of boost up the prospect rankings a little bit. You know, it's obviously <laughs> not why they do it, but, you know, actually having these guys in front of other scouts and they suddenly see them throw and maybe they go oh hey maybe maybe this is one of the better guys you know yeah. for the young guys i think it is often good to sort of push them uh, a few levels up every once in a while um it, everybody's different every prospect is different but um it's it's often good to show guys every once in a while that they that they still need work um and you know if you every every player for the most part thinks that they're awesome like that's how you make it into professional sports is by thinking you're great all the time um and it's good to have this mix every once in a while just to, for the, the big big league guys um, to show off how good they are and to you know show the guys down below like those guys are really, really awesome and they just blew me away and I still have work to do. Um, it's a good motivational tool and, and it's also good just to kind of see what's expected up at the majors um, and how those guys go right. about their business. It, 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 every once in a while you get some, some guys in the minors who um, nobody, everybody's hard worker, but um, there's hard work and then there's major league hard work and seeing how the pros go about it is a different animal and getting that mix in there of like the true, like elite guys with the, it instills like better habits and puts some pressure on them. So, um, that's one of the reasons that they do it. I'm actually surprised. Actually, some teams have started doing it a little bit more often, but, um, I'm surprised they don't have like more, um, uh, like almost like, uh, meetings between all the, the levels at varying points in the season, because, it's good to see those guys and what you're actually aspiring to be. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, we should mention too, uh, there's this list of big, big league camp invites, but you know, they'll pluck and choose guys from minor league camp as necessary too. Um, you know, last year we saw um, previous year's first runner, Bryce Terang actually got a, quite a few at bats at the major league level. I think he even started some games with the big league team, you know, 
after being drafted out of high school less than a year before. So yep. I think, you know, in that in that case too, I think it was very much a here's how things are done at the big league level. You're 19 years old. This is kind <laughs> of what you need to do to make it here kind of thing. And then, you know, he actually kind of held his own too. So it's kind of like a reinforcing belief thing too. Yeah, that too. Um, yeah, you later know, in camp, it tends to be younger guys that exactly. will get that promotion. It's It's weird how that works, but it's the guys who are – not coming into big league camp uh, that end up being the the later guys, because these guys now will go down and will be fully immersed in minor league spring training at that point. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. They, they kind of do That's a switcher route on that, which is weird, but they do. Sure. Um, so it, it'll definitely be interesting to see. And I think, you know, your guys' point too, a lot of just for our selfish purposes, it's nice to see like Ethan small on TV. Cause you know, what the heck does this guy even look like? So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, you know, you're used to seeing names and box scores and numbers on a computer screen. It's nice to actually see them in action for, even if it's just a few innings. So. Uh, another Patreon question, kind of just an overarching, maybe pleading for some optimism. PB Brew <laughs> Crew is asking, why should I be excited about the 2020 season? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we, it's been a kind of a contentious winter, at least on Brewers Twitter and around, uh, you know, lots of divided opinions. So I guess, Ryan, what are your sources of optimism? Why are you excited about the upcoming year? Well, I think that they still have a pretty good team and it's interesting. Like this team will be very, it, it's going to be weird to watch and see like how it all shakes out. Like you legitimately don't know who's going to be the starter primarily at third base at shortstop at uh, first base and how exactly they're going to shuffle time in the outfield other than like when Kane's healthy, he'll be in there. And when Yelich is uh, when Yelich is healthy, obviously he'll be in there too. So, but there's going to be a lot of moving parts to that part of it. Like how many platoons are they going to adopt? What are they going to do that way? And then just like, how are these pitchers going to shake out? I'm like intensely curious to see what Josh uh, Lindblom is. Like, what is he now that he's come back from Korea? And uh, can we see Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta take that step forward to being, like, good players? And Adrian Hauser. Like, there's just so many, like, what is going to happen with with some of these guys questions that that's, you know, the primary source of of interest for me is there's so much possibility. We just don't know how it's all going to shake out yet. So, yeah, I would would say you should be optimistic because of, like the the good things you actually know about, which is you have Christian Yelich as a, a base setter for how good the team can be. Um, you're going to get probably, uh, knock on wood, a full season of Brandon Woodruff as the number one starter um, for the team. But when was the last time you actually felt as confident about a top-level starter for the Brewers as you do about him? Um, like, I, I think he's pretty outstanding. I, I also like watching him hit. Uh, keep the Get rid of the DH just for that. Like, that, that's a big big <laughs> loss of competitive advantage right there. And I suspect, you know, this is, I would say, not known, but that, that Hira is also going to rake all season. So um, you've got you've got good, and you also have Hader coming back to the bullpen. So as long as he doesn't decline, um, that's good too. you got some good, like, top-level talent here. Most of the rest of building a contending team is just kind of filling in gaps. Like, not everybody has all-stars across the lineup. So um, be excited because that's your baseline. And then you have Avi Garcia, who has been very good, a few places that's if he plays his normal baseball, he'll be a good addition to the team. Like if, if Kane can have a little bit of a bounce back, he's still excellent at defense. He might hit a little better this year if his back is healthy and um, 
not sure that's going to happen because no athletic person has ever walked more like a 50 year old man than Lorenzo Cain. But um, <laughs> he, 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 if you if can bounce back with that bat a little bit, he had a really bad year last year. That's helpful. That's good. So they've made a lot of moves. They don't all need to turn out to be super good stars for this team to be good. The, the people that need to be good are the people that you know or suspect will likely be very good. They're there. They haven't changed. So that's why you should be optimistic. Yeah, I think going back to your point before, the Lorenzo Cain thing, uh, who's that? I think Haldercourt talked about the fact that like he loves to play possum and kind of like move slow and make it look like he's kind of a little banged up and whatever. And then when it's actually time for him to turn it on, like all of a sudden you're like, oh, right. He can First to home, for sure. Yeah, yeah, he can still, he can still <laughs> run. He can still leap. He can still do all the stuff. But he does give off a very Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon vibe. Like, I'm too old for like this he shit. really does. Like, like that. Last time I went to spring training, which I can't remember if it was a year ago or two years ago, it was probably two years ago, like just him walking around like the dugout, he still looks like an old man. So it's really weird. But yeah, I mean, he obviously is super athletic and fast and makes awesome catches at the wall, but it's weird to see. Yeah, I think so. I think we kind of outlined there's plenty to be excited about. You know, I think this team is definitely very interesting. Um, I think we can kind of all agree, like, we're kind of curious to see how this, you know, it seems like they're kind of taking a different strategy to building a roster. We're interested to see how that turns out, but that doesn't necessarily equate to excitement. And I think um, I'm interested to see how this turns out isn't exactly what you want to think when you've yeah. got, you know, two or three years, you know, you've got Yelich's contract is kind of like the ticking when we do. Time By the frame, way, you know, we talk, we talk, we talked a lot on this podcast, assuming that they'll fix the ball this year, which, they might not fix the ball. Um, there's there's a chance they won't. If it's still juiced, this team's going to hit, like, just a ton of bombs. It, right, just, yeah. just a huge amount of home runs. Yeah. Um, a lot of their their signings, uh, like, um, have been guys who hit home runs and can't necessarily play right. good defense. So, just, um, Justin Smoke looks a lot better if he can hit 25 home that runs. That is correct. You know? Like, there's lots yeah. of these, like, retready down roster guys who look a lot better when the ball's you. So Eric Sogard, you're kind of almost maybe counting, counting on, on it a little bit. Yes. <laughs> you know, because without that, it's sort of a problem. Like, hey. well, exactly. Hitting so. dingers is basically what Ryan Healy does. There isn't a whole lot else that he does, but <laughs> right. he does so, hit dingers. You know, by the so. way, the, the, he is the signing I'm least excited about. Just uh, Nobody's asked that question, but um, <laughs> it, I, I do not care about that guy at all, one bit, and hope that I never see him play, though I'm sure I will a lot. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about it is he has the ability to be uh, shuttled back and forth. He doesn't have yes. to be on the big league roster. Yeah, he's got an option. So <laughs> they, he's, not, he's not starting the year. On the his, his key asset is he can go to the minors. <laughs> and, I mean, like I said, he does hit dingers. So if you can yeah. catch him in a good stretch, <laughs> like if he if he gets locked in for a few weeks, a month, two months, something like that, you could see them being able to take advantage of that and have it play out as a sure. net positive. And then you have somebody else to take a spot when it's not working anymore. That's kind of the beauty of the system. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I would go as far to say, I don't care about Ryan Healy. That seems kind of harsh. I'm sure he's a nice person. <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice person. I Just in case know. his mom's listening or no something, injuries but, or anything you know, like yeah, yeah. You know, but, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, somebody had to play third base in the minors. Might as yep. well be him. Cool. <laughs> uh, a lot of Twitter questions this week, too. Uh, uh, first one from Dylan Jacobs. You know, we already kind of talked about Ethan Small, but he's asking, you know, we mentioned him as a breakout candidate last week. Uh, Ryan, can you give us a couple of other names to keep an eye on this summer? I'm assuming he means kind of 
you know, prospect minded. So, you know, what, what are you looking forward to? So I was thinking about this, and I guess the way I want to answer it is to talk about guys who, if they continue to play kind of at the level that they showed last year and move up a level, will move up prospect rankings list and potentially emerge into the top 100. So guys who are already showing some ability, but maybe just haven't shown it long enough or at a high enough level yet. So Mario Feliciano would be high on that list. If he comes up to double A and shows he can handle his own as a 21-year-old catcher, like he will definitely move on to top 100 list at that point. So Feliciano would be a big one. Um, Antoine Kelly, the Brewers second pick this year was filthy dominant as kind of a surprise as a Juco guy. And we thought he was going to take a little bit more time and he came out and immediately was making hitters look silly. Um, If he comes up and is able to do that in full season ball for an extended run, you will see him potentially emerge as a top 100 type prospect. Uh, And then it's the Latin American kids. It's um, you have Hedbert Perez getting all kinds of love right now. Like people are going gaga over Hedbert Perez. I've seen him listed as a potential top 25 pick in first year player drafts as a dynasty uh, player. So people are absolutely in love with him and think that he is a potential monster. Um, and he wasn't even the Brewers' top signing this year out of Latin America. That would be um, Luis Medina. And there's also still uh, Eduardo Garcia sitting around. And there's a number of other guys that you could mention, too, that are potential breakout guys. And what's going to matter there is, like, what are they able to show if they come to the States? Because I think it's a little early for Perez and Medina to come to the States. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that we could see them next summer. And if they show it in the States, then it gets real attention and people really start to to go gaga over them. So those would be the names I would kind of primarily focus on. So uh, I like to keep an eye on the guys who have been struggling, especially when you, you get a fresh look in spring training. Um, just the, guy, the interesting guys to me, the guys who have kind of fallen off a little bit, like I, I'll be very interested to see how Corey Ray comes out um, when they when they start things. Just because he's he's struggled mightily, he has fallen off prospect lists legitimately. But um, there's still a lot of talent locked up in a guy like that, especially who was kind of advanced when he was drafted in the first place. And with guys like that, like sometimes a few tweaks can go a long way towards bringing their careers back online. So like he's one I'm definitely interested in seeing when he starts playing uh, along the same lines. Lucas Erkeg, who also plays a position of that would be nice to have a prospect at um, um, so a lot of that is hope. But um, I just remember a, a few spring trainings ago, um, I, I went uh, when Jake Gatewood was, I think kind of starting to take a step forward for the Brewers right before he blew out his ACL. And he was like stinging the ball pretty well. And I started to like, maybe they actually do have something there. He'd kind of stalled out, um, but he had a really good spring training and um, he, he just like hit a few bombs while we were there. So um, I, I always kind of look for those guys who had been a little bit down and who, if they get back on track, will immediately shoot up prospect lists again be, because they were once there. And it, development is not linear. It goes in peaks and valleys. So um, they're also the ones that if you, if you can kind of spot them coming, um, you can impress people because everybody's down. Nobody's going to tell Corey Ray's top 100 guy right now. But if he has a good six-week run here, he'll, he'll be right back, uh, right back on those things. 
Right. Yeah. Um, you kind of mentioned spring training. That kind of leads us to our next Twitter question from Marcus Horton. He says, with spring training on the way, who are you guys excited to see play down in Arizona? Paul, you kind of talked okay. about that. But is there is there anybody else you're kind of, even on the big league club, interested to see how they fit in over the first few weeks of spring training? Oh, I did my first two. Um, <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Um, so I, I do, like, definitely those two. Um Rain or keg. Um, let's see who else is should have gone Um, let's see, definitely Zach Brown. Um, oh, Keon's back. I forgot about that. Well, that's Keon fun. is back. Yeah, um, he's he's on the invite list. Yeah. Um, I, I so uh, I'm not interested in seeing Logan Morrison at all. Let's see. Um, don't care. Um, <laughs> so we don't care about Ryan Healy or Logan. Or Ryan, Morrison. No, don't care about them at all. Uh, actually, Logan. Um. Not a, I never enjoyed watching him. Uh, he's the guy I always have to pick up in fantasy when my first baseman are all hurt and doesn't do anything for me. So I hate that guy. Um, let's see, uh, I, so I do like uh, like I do like seeing like old guys back like Keon. I actually am looking forward to seeing him. Uh, <laughs> he's fun. He, he makes cool catches. Um, uh, I, I guess a, a lot of like the the kind of fringe bullpen guys are the ones I'm really interested in seeing. Um, and guys like an, like Eric Lauer, I want to see him. Never seen him yeah. before. Don't know what he looks you were, like. You were big uh, on Bobby Wall, too, weren't you? Big on, yeah, Ryan got me into him, so he should get Bobby Wall credit. But, yeah, I always like seeing him, <laughs> too. Um, any, any like, fringe guy like that. I, I kind of want to see Jacob Nottingham a little bit more, though I'm kind of down on him and kind of ready to give up on him a little bit. But he's been around for so long. Oh, I got one. I know who I'm interested in seeing. Um, Tyrone Taylor. Um, not because I think he's good, but because I, I remember him – fondly from when he was like the best prospect in the system and um used to go see him when he was in single a when he was playing against like the cubs prospects and dan vogelbach um and he looked like he might actually be something i like i think he's sealing his fourth outfielder by far at this point and maybe not on a major league roster but he's kind of a fun guy he's he's really athletic he he's fast um hit tool never really developed but um, I have fond memories of him when the system was bad and i'm glad he's made the 40 man like that's kind of cool um he He's developed some functional power. That's yeah, been kind he, of the thing that okay. has worked. Yeah. Yep. If he you take that with like a good or not, a, I don't want to say a great approach at the plate, but like a solid approach at the plate. Yep. And a little bit of functional power, and a guy who can play all three outfield positions, but can really you know play center field. Yeah, yep. it's an interesting guy. I don't He's know okay. if it works in Milwaukee necessarily, but you know the guy's going from, to have some big league run. Yeah, point. and from from that era of Brewer prospects, like it's just a dumpster fire. Except, except right. he he managed to make it all the way through and get get up to the team. So I always root for guys like that. So I I, I will be watching him closely too. So Ryan, uh, who's on your spring training watch list? Who are you looking at? It's really the pitchers who had down years last year. Like especially if you look at Freddie Peralta, if he can come in and sustain this really good strikeout to walk ratio that he showed in winter ball this year in spring training it's one of the few things like strikeout to walk ratios for pitchers are one of the few things in spring training that you can like look at and go okay that actually does kind of mean something like it is a a thing that has value and it was actually the first indication in 2017 that jimmy nelson was breaking out uh we saw that in spring training that like he was a different dude he like his numbers were vastly improved and that ended up sticking so i'm going to be very interested to watch that i want to see what corbin burns does specifically with related to the baseball and how that works uh adrian hauser who had a good year last year but i want to see if he can like firmly establish himself as a you know a true good pitcher and like you know josh lindblom 
or who I already mentioned, and like a guy I'm definitely interested in seeing. So it's those pitchers that are specifically interesting to me. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge, still a Corbin Burns fan. I'm going to take that to my grave, I think. But, you know, I, I really hope, you know, we talked about if the ball goes back to normal, I think he's one that could easily, uh, you know, kind of jump back into prospect status, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I will say the caveat is I was a Manny Parra fan until the end. So, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I, you're not alone. I'm also guilty. You of know, that, Manny so. Parra and Willie Peralta. I, I defended those guys honor until the very end. So I, I hope Corbin Burns isn't on that list, but you know, there's just so much there that and it'd just be really nice if he could turn into a solid mid rotation starter. But, you know, I think we start to get that answer this year. And I think really, this is the year where they kind of need to figure that out too. Um, you know, we, we had seen Craig council said both uh, Freddie and Corbin Burns are going to be treated as starters this year, so, at least at the start. So we'll, we'll see where they shake out. Um, but it, I think those two are definitely on the top of my list too. Uh, one more tw- Twitter question here, uh, kind of off the heels of Brewers on Deck, which we recorded last week's episode before Brewers on Deck, so we didn't really get to cover a lot of this. Uh, but obviously, one of the big topics of conversation w- was the Brewers payroll and the kind of the moves that they were making this year. And fans actually got a chance to ask questions uh, of the front office. And I guess it didn't actually come up during that fan Q&A session, but the the reporter gaggle, so to speak, afterwards kind of touched on this um so joshua is asking a question kind of with that in mind and uh the previous reports earlier in the off season uh tom hodricourt saying that the brewers may have actually lost money last year uh whether or not you believe that is kind of up to interpretation but he's asking have we reached the point that mark a and david stearns will be panhandling on the streets of milwaukee to help te- keep the team <laughs> afloat uh, i know both of you kind of have lots of thoughts on this so we'll start with you paul Okay. Well, they, first of all, they almost certainly did not lose money. Um, and it, it kind of bugs me that like reporters just run with the company line when they indicate or, you know, say that they are operating in the red. Well, in, unless I can actually see books, I don't trust that at all. Um, just the amount that people get um, from luxury tax payments and the, the revenue sharing baseball does do um, what we know is there, what we can kind of determine from cable deals and stuff there. It's very, very unlikely that the team operates in the red. Um, they may do some accounting tricks that have them in the red. They might have some, um, some owed payments to debts on the back end that we've hear, heard about that has them kind of in the red, which is, you know, there's lots of ways to make yourself in the red. There's lots of ways to make yourself in the green. Um, baseball has tons of money coming in. The brewer payroll wasn't that high. Um, we can do some back of the envelope math based on what we know. They probably take in what they make versus, you know, on actual in stadium, um, you know, tickets and whatnot. They, that's just almost certainly not true. Um, and if they are, they should all get rid of the baseball team for incompetence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is if it's the case that they can show an on paper loss for 2019. That's what it is. It's an on paper loss. Just, that is exactly right. It, it involves moving money around from year to year and some garbage like that. So, yes. Right. And deciding, like, we're going to put a bunch of extra expenses in a certain year. Yep. Like last year. Yes, they did open this wonderful new and we think it was reported around 50 million dollar facility. Yep. 
in Maryvale. Yeah, okay, that's a capital investment. And they also the bought a single A team, so you know that goes into it too. Yeah, though I think that was a little bit older, but who knows? Maybe that money processed this year. Maybe the the money was due. And again, like the proper accounting thing to do would be to you know spread that out over a number of years and to say, okay, we're yes. know, paying for part of this. But if you want to put it in one year and say, hey, we lost money this year, okay. Fine. You could say that, but like we all are smart enough to know that that's not the reality. Uh, so no, I don't think that they they lost money. I think they did quite well for themselves. They they did just fine, especially coming off of. And people need to remember when you make the playoffs. Period. And the Brewers did make the playoffs. They have that one extra game. That is like free found money. It is. And if you look at what they got from the 2018 playoff run, where you had two full extra series. That is just straight up printing money. They cashed in so big on that that it's it like if you're not counting that, and I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they I'm sure they say, oh no, that was you know that was revenue that came in in 2018, and we don't count that for right. 2019, and it doesn't matter. Year to year loss, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, no, but we're all smart enough to understand that, like, yeah, you made money hand over fist in 2018, and, and- oh, just to. To touch yeah. back on the the facility point, like when they say or, you know, in when they let people believe that they lost money, what they're trying to say is we were so selfless that we spent so much money on the payroll to compete that we went into the red to do it. But if you like when you build a facility out in Arizona, um, it, what, that's fine. That's capital investment. But you're also hoping to make money off of that going forward, in addition to developing your team more like that is also to improve the minor league park, to have uh, more destination money from there. Like, they're not doing that to, you know, out of an altruistic means, and it, it will improve the team going forward. Yes, that's fine. But, like, the point is they didn't go into the red to add payroll to build a better team last year. That's not what happened. Well, no, it's and like when, putting in a new bathroom in your house. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're spending that money, but it also but is, your house is worth more. Right. It yes. improves the value of the house. So <laughs> like, like if they were to sell the team down the road, now the team is worth more yeah. because of that capital investment. Yes. So, yeah. So they didn't, they didn't spend more money for wins. Uh, yes. In the future, maybe with better development. Fine. But they, they spent money to make the house more, worth more in the future. So that's not the same thing. No, let's not let them fool people into thinking it is. That's all. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, they did spend a lot of money. They opened with their highest payroll opening day by far, $122 million. And I've seen estimates as high as like 145 for the full season expenditure because it does really add up, like, how much money yeah. you're spending on payroll. So they spent quite a bit of money last year. And they're definitely opening right around $100 million, maybe a touch above it, I think, is where I would currently guess it's going to be. But they're definitely opening this season significantly behind in payroll. But as Atanasio mentioned at the event last weekend, he said, well, that does now give us more flexibility. If we like something, if an opportunity comes along, we now have this ability to potentially add a significant amount of payroll to the roster. And for some owners that might be lip service, but we've seen him repeatedly do this. Like this is something that they have done time and time and time again. So, I wouldn't necessarily think that, uh, like, if that's just empty words. I think that there is something really behind that. And if they're contending this year, hell, even if they're not contending, if they see a opportunity, you know, for down the road that they could take on, 
I could easily see them do that because they have some extra flexibility. So you kind of have to take it all as a big picture and not just judge everything on the payroll number and did it go up? Did it go down? I know it's easy to fall into that trap. I've fallen into that trap, but it's, it is much more complicated than that. Really. I think we're kind of all on the same page. You know, any, any accountant worth their salt's going to be able to kind of show red or green, depending on what you're trying to prove. Right. So, um, you know, I, I kind of, am skeptical of this too, but, you know, to Ryan's point, if it leads them to have the flexibility to add something bigger in the middle of the summer, great. I think the problem is they don't have any prospects. So who are you going to get <laughs> in the middle of the summer that has a high salary? But, you know, um, if, if it does allow for that flexibility across the board, then Fine. cool. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> a reminder, if you want to ask us a question that we can talk about, get us all riled up about team financials or whatever it is. Uh, you can become a patron. Join us at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Uh, we actually have quite a few new patrons this week. Ryan, do you want to run through who joined us? Yeah. So we have Ryan Connor, who uh, joined very early in the week. And then uh, Mike Pogue also joined a little bit earlier in the week. Um, Grant. We just have Grant. So again, with the like Brazilian soccer player. Yeah. Maybe you know, he knows Matt. Just Matt. Grant. Yep. Just Grant. And uh, then we had Max Brower uh, came on board, and I know he is a longtime listener of this podcast and also of his reporting as eligible, right, Paul? That he is. Hey, Max. And Stephen Skiles, who I almost would have mispronounced had you guys not corrected me before we started. So, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, okay. I mispronounced Ersig earlier, so it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. And Alcides Escobar and Arcia. We're, we're just rolling with it. I don't, so. I don't care about that one, actually. I'm still on, I think they might be the same person. You know, <laughs> they could be. They could I'm be not fun. apologizing for that one. So (laughs) thank you to everybody for for signing up and joining. It's been really uh, amazing. We've been kind of surprised. We were talking about this, how much support uh, people have been giving to us uh, since we we made the transition. So it's uh, it's definitely been eye opening. So thank you for that. And if you would like to join and get those extra bonuses that we talked about, uh, always more room for people to join in. Yeah, we definitely appreciate the support. Uh, Paul and I, especially, you know, for you know, not running away in droves when we started doing this. Yeah, uh, it's, that, it's, been, it's been fun. We appreciate the support. Uh, if you want to join in, uh, you can join, uh, again, our Patreon at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Patrons at the ball and glove level and above get the monthly minor league extra podcast. You'll also get question priority every week here on Milwaukee's tailgate podcast. Even if you're not a patron, you can still send in questions via Twitter at MKE tailgate can also send an email to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or again on our milwaukees tailgate podcast network facebook page uh if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify stitcher overcast pocket cast anywhere else you listen to your podcasts please subscribe please leave us a review uh helps us let us know what we we need to do better also helps other fans find the podcast uh while you're out there please you know as I said, take a minute to review us and let us know. You can even just send us, you know, critiques directly. I think somebody <laughs> last week, somebody last week said that I sounded like, you know, we got the audio issues ironed out. Somebody said I sound like a happy Craig Council, which I think I'm going to take that as a compliment. I don't know whether it is or not, but you know, I, I'll I'll take it. So, uh, thanks again for all the feedback, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. And again, when we come to you next week, we'll actually be 
probably about, what, a week or so away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So hang in there. Spring's almost there, despite what the stupid groundhog says. Uh, so thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week on Milwaukee.